Hi again, everyone. Welcome to East Redland Anglican for the 6th of September 2020 or the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. This Sunday, we have the Bishop of the Southern Region, Bishop John Randhill, visiting us and preaching uh, for our confirmation service at the 7.30 service. He was also here for the 9.30 service today, um, but the sermon will be the same for both of them. Today we hear about the parable of the lost sheep from Matthew 18, and that's what Bishop John will be preaching about today, about what it means to be lost and what it means to be pursued and found by God. So as I keep saying, uh, go and grab yourself a cup of coffee, come back, sit down and enjoy the sermon, and I'll talk to you soon. May I speak in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. It is a delight to be with you on such a beautiful morning, and it's a delight to be back in church. And I think it's just worth remembering what a privilege it is for us to be in church when we remember that so many people cannot get to church, and hey-ho, we remember even people in this parish can't get to church on a Sunday. Um, I think it's a privilege that maybe I personally have forgotten over time, but it's one of the things that COVID has reminded me. We had three very powerful readings today. We had that really um, provocative reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. We've been making our way through Romans, and you've got to think to yourself, what was being said there, and try and think... How does that resonate for you with issues in our world? I'm not going to preach on that text. Uh, you can sigh relief. I reckon that sermon would be about 40 minutes long or so. It's so packed. And we had that curious little reading from Ezekiel. And then we had the gospel reading from Matthew. And if you can remember anything from that gospel reading, it was probably the parable. The parable of the lost sheep. And that's what I want to speak to you about today. My guess is, if you know any of Jesus' parables, it might well be this one. It's the kind of one you get taught in Sunday school. If you ever went to Sunday school, uh, complete with, let's say, a colouring sheet. I remember, as a child, struggling to think, how do you colour in a white sheep? Which is just a, you know, I don't have a white crayon. But to be honest, and this is going to be the bit where I hope you start to think what's going on, I think it's probably one of Jesus' weakest parables. Now there's a thought. You've got Jesus' parables. Which ones work for you and which ones don't? So here's a question. What's your favourite parable? Sorry? The prodigal son. The prodigal son. Yep, I'd actually pop that down as a possible, you know, because it's, it's, it's a deeply powerful story, the prodigal son. Which others? The Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had that, it wasn't that long ago, I don't think, but a very powerful story. It doesn't immediately look very good for those who are clerics in the story. <laughs> Parable of the sower. Parable of the sower. We had that. Parable of the sower. Yes. 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 Nice. Which other ones? 
What are your favourite parables? The widow and the lost coin. Oh, yes, the lost coin. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Now, that's actually not technically a parable, but it's obviously a story. The parables, this is, this is I'll be absolutely honest, it gets complicated because in our minds we put together all the Gospels. The parables are literally the stories that Jesus told rather than the actions that Jesus did. But any others? Sower and seeds, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, you've got these parables about dishonest servants. I, I'm just going to tell you mine. Mine's the pearl of great price. I just think, and the, the treasure in the field, they kind of go together. But my question is, my hunch is, you weren't just playing a game, my hunch is that not many people would ever say the parable of the lost sheep being their favourite parable, and I want to investigate why. And I want to think, or at least start with the idea of the word lost. And whether lost has, in a sense, currency for us. Does it work for us as a powerful word? Because it is a curious word, lost. So the next five, ten minutes of this sermon is just about the word lost. I dare say you may remember, you know, lost sheep, and you've got that idea of a lost coin. In a sense, You've got a level of the word lost, which you might say is inconsequential. You know, oh, a lost sock. <laughs> Maybe it's not inconsequential for you, but usually, usually, if I said to you, oh, I've got a great little, my own little parable today, I lost my sock this morning, you kind of know already that I will have found it. It's a lostness that goes with foundness very quickly. And in a sense, it's a sermon that's not, not too difficult to preach. Hey, we're lost, we're found. And that's all thanks to my wife, by the way. <laughs> but there are other levels of lostness. There are some really profound levels of lostness. You know, I am sorry for your loss. Well, that's a different kind of lostness, isn't it? And there are even other kinds of lostness. There's a desperate lostness, not like the lost sock. This is a, a really embarrassing story for me. Um, I can guess I can get away with some level of embarrassment. I used to live in Hong Kong when my children were much younger than you guys are, when my children were down at five and six years old. And we were out on a Sunday and it was just the age where my son was going into toilets on his own. Fascinating stage of life. But everything, everything in Hong Kong is massive, if you've been to Hong Kong. And Toby went into this toilet, and I was outside, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and then I went into this huge Hong Kong toilet, a gentleman's toilet, and he wasn't there. And I got desperate. And I remember the rising anxiety and fear. This little blonde-haired European boy lost that you don't want to spend, I, trust me, you don't want to spend a long time in a gentleman's toilet in Hong Kong. And I was looking in every, it was just awful. 
awful. I can remember my chest pounding, and I can remember, being very honest, the worst thing, knowing I was going to have to phone my wife and say, I've lost our son. Even 17 years after that event, it still gives me chills, just that sense of terror that can overcome you when you feel you've lost something. Right enough, he was sat outside the building in the sunshine, dangling his feet off a wall, thinking nothing had happened. I, when I found him, I had been to hell and back, and he just smiled and said, hello, Dad. <laughs> but that's a level of lostness that's more consequential than just losing a marble. And we've got to find ways for this parable of the lost sheep to work with different levels of lostness. And I haven't even started yet about what it's like to be lost yourself. I've talked so far about losing something, not about being lost. You might get lost in music, which is a lovely thing. You know, I, I listened to, and it'd be for me, a Beethoven symphony, and I just was lost for half an hour. But then you might get lost yourself. And that's altogether a different issue. I'm sorry this is a story of my, the travails of my own life. But another quick, quick story. I used to live in Scotland before I lived in Hong Kong. And there I reveled in walking the Munros. I don't know if you've heard of the Munros, the Scottish mountains. And I used to go walking with two mates, and we used to try and bag the Munroes. You try and walk three or four mountains in a day. And that was great fun until you have an argument on the way, because, hey, if you're walking for 12 hours, you might have an argument. And we were going up a mountain, and I think we had a little tough argument, and I walked ahead. I walked ahead up the mountain without a map and without a compass and into fog. Pride's a terrible thing, isn't it? And I remember coming down off the peak and then thinking I had no idea where I was. And this is me at 40 years old, sitting on the side of a mountain and crying, and then crying out, I am lost. And then crying, you know, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but you do this, I'm lost. You think, that's not going to cut it, I'm lost. <laughs> And then a really loud voice. Unfortunately, a pair of other walkers were coming down the hill, heard me and came off. And boy, were they cross when they realised I didn't have a map or compass, and right enough too. And then sheepishly, later, I noticed that word sheepishly, later, when I was reunited with my friends. Now, I suggest you can have a slightly wry smile at those stories of a bishop who can't actually look out and keep his own son under control and gets lost on mountains. But both those stories are in a sense safe by virtue of their time and distance. But there's yet even another level of lostness that we've got to accept. That lostness of just miserable sense of being lost in the world you're in. And for many, let's be honest, that's been a staple of life for the last six months. That sense of just feeling lost in the world. 
And that last lostness, that sense of just not knowing what to make of the world, that sense of lostness is almost like a lost that is the opposite of one. Did you win today? No, I lost. Rather than was I found today, I was lost. It's a very interesting word, lost. And it sometimes feels quite final, more like the end of the result of a game. And yet, and yet, I've now finished my five minutes on lost. Yet, it is the same God today, that is the God of yesterday, who pursues us and finds us when we are lost at any one of those levels. Whether we're lost in our hearts and our minds, whether we're somehow lost in the world, and indeed, in a sense, when our relationships are broken and lost too, this is the God who comes to restore and make right. This is the God that we celebrate today. It's the kind of God who persists in going, finding that one lost sheep and does not stop until he finds it and then he goes away and rejoices and has a party and opens a bottle of champagne. That bit wasn't in the Bible. <laughs> but that's the kind of God we celebrate today. And today we celebrate your confirmation. And there's a curious sense, Connor, Kelsey and Taylor, about you getting confirmed. It's not that in a sense you've been found by God, but more you're recognizing that God is the God that finds you. And that even in these crazy, crazy times that we're living in, God is a God who still, in a sense, pursues and loves us. Whether we're nine or 19 or 90, whether we're in some desperate position or not, this is the God who relentlessly, persistently, never-endingly comes for us is with us and is for us. Amen. That brings our podcast to an end for this week. If there's anything more you'd like to know about the parish, you can always check us out at our website, which is www.eastredlandanglican.com.au. You'll be able to find lots of links there to our Facebook page, to our Vimeo and YouTube channels and to our Apple podcast channel. You'll be able to go through the website there and find out any other information you want to know about our service times or baptisms and confirmations and things like that. Um, so check us out there, um, have a look and if there's anything you need, please don't hesitate to send us an email or give us a call um, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless. <laughs>